On a roll. Ready? Hi, I'm Cam. And I'm Katie. And this is the Nerdbook Review. Today we will be reviewing The Dragonbone Chair by Tad Williams. So a quick little bit of info about the book. It is 635 pages long. It is the first book in a trilogy called Memory, Sorrow, and Thorn. It was first published in 1988. It's a little bit old, but it is considered a classic of the fantasy genre. And it's not as old as I am, so... <laughs> that is true. That is true. But Patrick Rothfuss and George R.R. R. Martin are just two of the huge authors of today who will claim this series as inspiration for their own writing. Williams has more than 20 novels, which are set in several different series, uh, just this January, a 222-page short story set in this world came out. I know that doesn't sound like a short how, story. How old is he? Uh, he was t- only like t- in his mid-20s when he wrote this book. Oh. So I think he might have actually been 28 when it was published. I think mm-hmm. that's what the the front of this one says. So he was young. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So once again, the 222-page short story and then a full-length novel is coming out this fall, set in this series. So I but think. I mean, compared to these books, that is a short story. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, famously for him, the third book in this series, he promised he was going to make it a trilogy. So the third book was sixteen hundred pages long in uh, paperback. Obviously, a paperback book cannot be uh, bound. 1,600 pages long, so it was just called a trilogy with two parts to the final novel. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So let's go ahead and have Katie read the Goodreads book cover. A war fueled by the powers of dark sorcery is about to engulf the peaceful land of Ostinard. For Prester John, the High King, lies dying. And with his death, the Storm King, the undead ruler of the elf-like Scythi, seizes the chance to regain his lost realm through a pact with the newly ascended king. Knowing the consequences of this bargain, the king's younger brother joins with a small, scattered group of scholars, the League of the Squirrel, to confront the true danger threatening Ostinard. Is that how you pronounce it? That's what I pronounced it. Okay. I mean, there's a pronunciation guide, but I didn't actually look at it. Yeah, I didn't either. Like, I noticed it. I've already actually started the second book, and I noticed it in the beginning of that book. It mentions it's at the end. So it was probably at the end of the first one, too. Actually, I'm, I'm fairly certain it was. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> I still didn't go look at it even after. I was like, <laughs> oh, hey, look, there's a... Oh, well. Yeah. Anyway, Simon, a kitchen boy from the royal castle, unknowingly apprenticed to a member of the League, will be sent on a quest that offers the only hope of salvation, a deadly riddle concerning long-lost swords of power. Compelled by fate and perilous magics, he must leave the only home he's ever known and face enemies more terrifying than Ostrinard has ever seen, even as the land itself begins to die. Oh, man. That was long. Yes, it was. Sorry about that. Actually, <laughs> I cut that down, too. It was like twice as long as that. And they've had a lot of time to edit it and add to it. And I, I feel like I didn't... I feel like I also didn't read this before I read the book, as usual. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I feel like some of those are spoilers, but I guess not. You just don't know some of it until later. But if it's in the book cover review or book cover, it's... Then it's not a spoiler, I guess. spoiler. (laughs) Yeah. Also, I think uh, since this book is about 30 years old, it's a little bit different throwing spoilers out there. Kind of like when Barry and I joked, you know, with his book that was like 70 years old. Yeah. I mean, the, the new... This has been redone... So 
the book the way it's set now, there's actually like a 20-page foreword written by the author that talks about the the book. Gives some pretty major spoilers before you've ever read the first one, you know? So it's not like we're not going to give any spoilers that's not already been given by the author in, in the current version. Yeah, I didn't actually read that one. There were a couple forewords. Yeah. I read the one that was like, you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, and then there was the one by the uh, the publisher as well. Who nope, didn't read it. You didn't read that? Yeah. So there was ones by both the author and the publisher. So, anywho. All right, let's go ahead and give my take. A truly epic tale, written in classic, low-magic fantasy style, follows the tale of a young man named Simon as he undertakes a journey from simple castle scullion to true hero of mankind. The book includes an elf-like race, tiny trolls, and an array of other fantasy creatures. One thing, he repeatedly calls himself a scullion, but he always says, like, he was terrible at it. Nobody wanted him to work in the kitchen. Like, he was then, like, an apprentice, but before that, he, like, helped the cleaning ladies. He was never really a scullion, but he's always like, I'm just a simple scullion. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But, so, uh, I guess just going straight off of that, our, our hero, Simon, is an orphan who is raised by basically the castle staff. He's not very good at doing most of his tasks, but he's lovable. Yeah, you know, typical ambiguous parentage, sets out on a quest. Now, one thing just right off the bat I need to throw out there is this book really follows the classic fantasy arc. Like, you have your your hero who is going out to save mankind. So, Katie and I have started to develop a little bit of a... uh, method for how we go through these things and one of the things that we both care about and we always talk about if it is a made-up world how that made-up world looked and appeared to us how easily accessible it was and whatnot for me i found it um, to be a really easy to follow made-up world once again this is going back to my history like the way my mind works i saw the main city kind of being like the holy roman empire vienna and that kind of area and then below it, the old Nabon Empire that once controlled things as Italy. And then, oh, see that one? I always I pronounce Nabon to me. Oh, well, that's, uh, I don't know what we don't know what the right one is. Yeah, we so. never we didn't actually look at. So I saw them as Italy, and then I went up to the Hernesteri since they're still pagan, and kind of saw them as the Celts in France. And then the Rimmersmen, I saw them as the Vikings, and then thought of that as kind of like you know in the north, mm-hmm. and then went on to the frozen wastes and saw that as just like basically the arctic so that was how i saw the world and it was easy to me because of that yeah i because the map at the very beginning was kind of overall but not a complete map of everything you couldn't see the edges and it didn't have a lot of things labeled it was just the main parts that they were going to be at the very beginning and so as i went on it would some of the smaller points of view would start discussing other places before I saw them. Mm-hmm. So I think I might have just started picturing them in my mind in places other than where they probably were really. Okay. So when at the beginning of a new section, there would be this new map, like, oh. And then it would never quite register <laughs> correctly. Yeah. Well, I think that just, like, I didn't, I don't worry necessarily. As you've said, I'm not the, the most detail oriented reader. Like, I don't necessarily worry a little bit if I am think that in my mind I might be a little off on my map, you know, like where the people really are, mm-hmm. as long as I think they're in, like, the general area. And otherwise, the world was interesting to me. I liked the aspect of 
like the Sithy mm-hmm. as being kind of the ancient presence all around them. Like there were, there was evidence of them having lived there. They like lived in the old castle that had been built by the Sithy. Mm-hmm. And so that, I really liked that element of it. Um, something that did kind of bother me, though it probably shouldn't have, was uh, just how similar some things were. Like, some of the months were completely different in name. Mm-hmm. Some of them were like Novander and Deckhander. <laughs> but then, so, like, October or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, the, whatever their Christmassy holiday was, was like Yule something. Yeah. And then they're, they basically had a Jesus who was crucified, but on a tree. Yeah. Yeah. Their, so. uh, their religion in this one is, is, I mean, I just keep saying there, it's just Tad. Tad, he's the author, um, is just a complete ripoff of Christianity. But I don't necessarily, like that didn't bother me because it was easy enough to just kind of understand how things were going to be, you know, or what the priests were like and, and they're dealing with paganism at the same time, you know, cause yeah. the, the, there's still like major elements within the kingdom, the high kingdom that, that are still pagan. So I just kind of saw, I mean, you know, you even have a Pope basically. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't uh, something that really, that bothered me too much. Okay. So this is basically like a 90, 95% a single point of view from our character, Simon. He is a 14-year-old... Oh, boy, is he a 14-year-old. <laughs> he is, like, the most obnoxious uh, young boy, like, who just does what he wants to do. He sulks when he gets disciplined, even he's though he... He's whiny, he's clumsy, he doesn't want to learn to read. He, like, everything is just <laughs> the worst with this kid. Like, I mean, it's... It's very convincing. Yeah. But at the same time, I just generally don't want to spend a lot of time with 14-year-old boys. So <laughs> reading about one for as long as that part of it lasted yeah. was... That was about until until 23% into the book. It was a really, really slow build. Yeah. I'm going to have to completely agree with Katie on that. <laughs> so yeah. So that first 23%, though, it is a bit boring and not a lot really truly happens in terms of like a adventure it's an introduction to the world how it currently is an introduction to the character and a really slow transition into what's actually changing in the world the reason the journey is necessary yeah because yeah. basically and this is in the foreword that um tad williams wrote for this he said that when he went about writing this book he didn't want to talk about a great king in the making. He wanted to talk about what happened when that great king died and the person that followed him was not as great as he was. Our main hero to start off with is Prester John. At this point, he's like 100 years old and he has ruled his kingdom for 80 years. He's was a young man when he slew a dragon and started on his road to kingship and, and conquering the rest of the, the world. So, and he was a, that king that was truly amazing. He's And everyone believed him to be, like, chosen from God. Like, he slew the dragon that had killed multiple kings before him. Yeah. Like, the whole thing was, like, he was the religious chosen by God, rules over the whole land. People convert and want to be in his kingdom. Yeah. 
Basically, he is the Messiah in the way that Judaism originally taught that he was the the hero, the military hero. You know, the you know, no one disputes his power. There is literally no one who doesn't willingly bow the knee to him after us. You know, but he was also a good king. He yeah. took care of people. He didn't take more in taxes than they needed to keep. You know, their different kingdoms go. I guess they're not kingdoms. They're different areas going. Yeah, yeah. He was. Uh, King Robert on the battlefield. King Robert Baratheon. King Robert Baratheon. The first? The first of his name. I think he was the first yes. of his name. <laughs> yes. So he's that that good on the battlefield, but then instead of being a, a drunken arse. Drunken uh, whoring sot. Yes. He is, he was actually that good at leading as well, you know, so. Mm-hmm. So, um. But yeah, and it was, it was interesting to me the way, you know, it transitioned to the new king, his son, and everyone celebrated and, you know, everything was great for a while. And then it was, you know, that real slow sneaks up on you change. Yeah. Yeah. The new king starts throwing tournaments and... Yeah, because the old king was so old that there wasn't really a court. There, the, the very beginning of the book, they're reopening the throne room after like five years of not even letting the cleaning ladies in there. Yeah, I mean he he had a slow, de- uh, well, a long slow decline. Yeah. And so, at first, everyone is excited, you know, at this new uh, the new vigor that's in the kingdom, but then because of obviously unnatural things, the weather starts turning weird and the people start starving. And instead of stopping, and there's uh, the outbreaks of disease. Yeah. and but, and the king just continues on with his festivals and jousting and whatnot. So Spending all this money, yeah. not taking care of roads. He allows the king's peace to lapse, basically. Yeah. So that said, the that, first 23% is worth getting through. Yes. But it can be a chore because it's a very long book. So 23% is like a short book. <laughs> yeah. It's like 150, 175 yeah. pages, something like a that. A short story. Yeah. You have to get through <laughs> Yeah. So once you get through that, though, then we're basically on one nonstop journey. Mm-hmm. That is the next 450 pages. Our little uh, band of heroes that we will end up with is going to basically just have one adventure after another. Yeah. Oh, I do want to mention one more thing before we go on yep. is the um, the other points of view. There are a few, and they're mm-hmm. mostly just in to show things that are happening that Simon is not privy to, that he's not actually involved in, so that you're seeing part of, like, the political intrigue that he does not care about. But even after he's roped into this whole quest and everything, is it's obvious he's in it, he just still doesn't care or want to learn anything about it because he's a 14-year-old boy who didn't even want to learn to read. <laughs> yeah, well... It's not like he ha- has been groomed for greatness. No, I he, mean, he's, he's basically a- pampered, fed a bunch of snacks. He's like unnaturally tall, but that's about it. Yeah, he's an orphan. Yeah. That we all know is going to have to have some sort of great heritage. Well, I mean, otherwise he... I mean, this is definitely a feudal uh, society. We don't know. I mean, so first off, that's this isn't a spoiler. Like, we don't know who his father is. We have some guesses. But I had my guess before the new king even ascended to his throne of who he was yeah and i admittedly did not pick up on it until far later and i didn't well by the end i would have figured it out well, yeah i was gonna say you wouldn't have picked it one eye so. i feel like recent books i've read have made me very 
particular about like, oh, orphan. <laughs> who could it possibly be? Who is important enough, but barely even mentioned? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, so, just in passing. Yeah. And I honestly, I have to be right. I'm just saying, if I'm not right, he missed a huge, like... Opportunity? Yeah. Well, I mean, really, if you look, you I mean, you go all the way back to, like, King Arthur, you know, and mm-hmm. the tales that have him growing up as an orphan boy. That's, like, an age-old thing as well, you know? Mm-hmm. So... Our orphan boy, Simon, is clearly going to be something bigger, but that's not a spoiler because otherwise, why do you have a 14-year-old boy who With is... With ambiguous parentage. Who is a, <laughs> just working in the castle. Cause Though, the, I, I guess, ambiguous paternitage. Mother worked in the castle. Yeah. so She just died, so... Yeah. I consider nothing in the first 23% of the book a spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there we are. But these points of view are i mean they're not uninteresting however let's say you're in the middle of one you put down your book you come back four hours later you can't tell whose point of view it is without finding their name or the name of someone that's around them they're very indistinct Mm -hmm. except for one guy who i really like well which i believe is like in a swamp yeah. Does Benevec have his own point of view? Barely. There's Mostly. a few. And his actually, the first time he has a little one, it confused me because it's only a paragraph and it kind of just flows into his. Like it doesn't, you only know it's actually his because, and it's like just third person because Simon's asleep. Oh, okay. But it's not like in his thoughts or anything. Yeah. And so I think later there's a couple more. But I, I think Benedict knows a lot. Mm-hmm. And so it's avoided because he'd think things that would give away stuff that he hasn't told Simon. Okay. There we are. But, and then, and Benedict is our, he's a troll. Mm-hmm. But they're like, instead of being my like favorite character. monsters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's my favorite character by a long shot. <laughs> they're basically like tiny humans. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, they're even, they say that they're proportional yeah, he's like what, like four feet tall or something. I guess. I imagine so. I don't yeah. know. I think that's what he said. I think he said he was like half of his height, so maybe three and a half feet, because I think Simon's like six feet. Yeah. So, yeah. But, but so, so, three and a half to four feet. Yeah. And so, Benabook, he, he is their Gandalf, except for he doesn't use magic. He's more of like just a wise man. Or he yeah. was actually still an apprentice himself, but he is he's just... like the guide, yeah. Yeah, he's the guide. But he... So the English, I guess, they're not really speaking English, but it's written in English, mm-hmm. is not his first language. So I just like all of his dialogue. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's very carefully, like, it's never incorrect, but it's always a little shorthand. Yeah. Well, and they use a weird syntax. Like, yeah, that's... The parts of the, the sentence are a little bit jumbled compared yeah, to English. Yeah, it's almost as if, like, it's, you know, the verbs are in a different spot in his original language kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah. As we kind of alluded to a little bit, that there's there's definitely a variety of, of different people. The Sithi are basically elves. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're undying. They're they look like elves, like you would think of in any sort of like fantasy book. I don't think they have ear the pointy ears. I don't think so. I never mentioned the leaf like Lord of the Rings ears. But so yeah, so we have elves. They're but the, I think that might be like originally more a lord of the rings thing i think it wasn't like an all-encompassing like all elves had pointy ears yet oh okay i don't actually it's hard to say for sure but 
I guess I never really got into my elf lore. <laughs> I don't know a ton about elves. Apparently, but... while I was taking that class in college, I, I missed that that detail. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, you mean your Middle Earth races course wasn't yeah. a full year? No, no. I just took, you know what? That wasn't my focus in my history class, so I only took that, the 101 course. Mm, yeah. yeah. I mean, the way that the curriculum book worked, as long as I took two of the three, right, in the order, yeah. then I was okay. And so I missed the second one of that. Yeah. Well, and then my, I chose to take Romulan for my language, so I was oh. just screwing around all over the place, <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. And at least you could have taken Klingon, because they right. sound angry. Yeah, I'm not that angry. Yeah. Otherwise, I mean, there were plenty of human languages I could take that sound <laughs> angry. <laughs> yeah. So, um,. If you like uh, your mythical races, there's definitely plenty of them in this one. We talk about trolls and elves. Um, the basic, Hunan. The Hunan, which are like giants, a, giants that are real, I mean, real angry giants. Yeah. The diggers. One thing that I felt like was a defining characteristic of their journey is the evening campfire story where Benedict attempts to impart wisdom on Simon. Storytelling slash... Uh, Learning, songing. songing. Oh God, so many songs. They <laughs> sing a song like every night around the campfire. I have the unfortunate habit of zoning out and not really reading the songs or the poems or when they speak in another language, as you know, all the different races speak different languages. When I, they're, I sometimes skip those a little bit. I kind of yeah. skim them just to make sure there's nothing in there. But. Yeah. But so I have that bad habit of just completely zoning out every time that happens. Yeah, but you have to at least skim the languages because sometimes it'll have like something that was in a story. Because so, sometimes a word isn't necessarily foreign. Yeah. But it looks like it in the. But <laughs> I have been trained via other novels that if it is in a story, a book or a poem, you read it multiple times, and it is going to have something in like informational. 90% of the time. Yeah. 10% of the time, it's like a drinking song. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, we could be, we could go into a lot more detail, but I don't really think it's necessary. I mean, we talked about, you know, where the transition point is and that kind of stuff. Uh, do you have anything else you wanted to add before we get into recommendation phase? Uh, no. Okay. I don't think so. All righty. So, the did we like it? Um, where did I put my beer? Oh, it's just hiding. Once you get past that first... 23%. It's very, I mean, I think that like it was right at 23%. If you're, mm-hmm. and we always do this on Kindle. This one actually had page numbers. We could have, I guess, gone back for those of you who are mm-hmm. reading it in paperback to uh, figure out what the exact page number is. But who reads physical books? Oh, God. You I can't know. read it everywhere. That's true. Even my mom has a Kindle now. It's true. And she only got a iPhone like two years ago. She had a flip phone. <laughs> yes. So, um, <laughs> oh, oh, Anna. and now all the people that read paperbacks yeah. hate us. Yes. So anyways, <laughs> carry on then. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed the book once you mm-hmm. got past that 23%. It, yeah, has... it, it can be time consuming to get through it. It took me far longer to read that part than probably the rest of the book because I'd be like, eh, you know, read like a paragraph. Do something else. Yeah. Doddle through paragraph. Get to three pages later. Realize I haven't remembered anything that I've read. <laughs> yeah. But it's it is worth getting through. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's incredibly well written. 
It has all of the uh, things that you want in a fantasy series. It's got dragons and elves. Um, it is low magic. That's a term that uh, used because of uh, George R. R. Martin. He talks about it a lot, whether books are low magic or high magic. Like he considers his series, obviously, is low magic. Mm-hmm. And then the one where, you know, you're shooting light out of your skin, that's probably high magic. Yeah, that definitely. When magic is central to the story, yeah. it's high magic. Yeah. Um, this one's definitely on the higher end of low magic, but it, it's not, it doesn't affect their day-to-day life for the most part. Yeah, well, and at the beginning of the book, I was like, is any of this... Because it does talk about a little bit about the Scythian legends. It's like... But is any of this actually, like, going to pertain to the story? Is this, like, is this even fantasy? It was that convincing about, like, the fact that none of this is really pervasive to anyone. Yeah. So. But, I mean, you know, magic is caught, like, is behind, like, the, you know, the problems with the seasons and things like that. But Mm -hmm. in terms of. Well, that's not in the beginning. Yeah. It's not. And then, I mean, you know, you don't have, as we said, we don't have wizards shooting light out of their skin running around (laughs) all over the place. Yeah, and it is worth saying again that the beginning might have been boring to us, but it doesn't mean that it was bad. Mm-mm. It wasn't a bad beginning. No. It just wasn't gripping. And if you look at the whole the series as a whole, it, this is a long enough series that them him, him taking a long time to set things up is more acceptable than when that happens. Yeah, if the, there was one book and... 25% of it was like, eh, well, then that really uh, drops the payoff. Yeah, but I mean, there's 3,000 pages in this series. I mean, it's we like could... a tiny percentage of the f- overall story. Yeah. So of the 3,000 pages that we or so that we are agreeing are definitely part of this series, <laughs> <laughs> uh, when about when less than 200 of them, you know, are setting the story up, then that's perfectly acceptable. Yeah, you just have to <laughs> power through it. Yes. So on our always, how did it make us feel? Uh, it, it made me feel entertained. This, while it is a story of good and evil, isn't, uh, it's not tugging on your heartstrings. It's no broken earth. Um, <laughs> it kind of makes me feel the same way that like the Wheel of Time did or the Song of Ice and Fire. Um, you know, just thoroughly entertained. Like I'm reading, I would re- I'm reading this series and I could continue to read this series for entertainment factor. Yeah, and I... After about 40%, I it was like a, you know, nonstop for me. Yeah. But I I still do have a little bit of an issue because it's still early in the whole series. The main character's fine. I just don't care for him that much yet. I feel like I will more as he grows as a character. <laughs> like, this whole thing is a journey for him. He starts as a 14-year-old whiner. He's growing. So, that well, is one thing, because you mentioned Song of Ice and Fire. There are so many characters in that, mm-hmm. individually, that I really cared about from, like, the first. Yeah. Well, also, one thing that's important uh, is that, like, this is a long series, but he Simon mentions at one point where he's feeling, like, downtrodden, that he's like, this is, how long has this nightmare been going on? Oh, yeah. And he realizes it's basically been like eight or ten weeks is all, yeah. you know? So it's it's not mm-hmm. like he starts off as a 14-year-old whiner, and at the end of the, of the book, he's a 20-year-old whiner. He's still a 14-year-old yeah. whiner. He's like two months older. Yeah. But he's, he's like, oh, why should I care about this? Why am I here? It's so cold. I would be saying the same thing. And I'm 30. Yeah. But <laughs> that's only because I hate cold. 
Yes. If it was warm, I wouldn't be saying. Yes. Alrighty. So, um, on the would we recommend it to others? Absolutely. I mean, this is considered a classic because it is a classic. You don't have authors of the stature and sheer following of people like Rothfuss and uh, Martin who claim that this is inspiration if it's not good. Would you recommend it to others? Yeah, I would. Uh, if you can read 150 pages where you may or may not be riveted, then I absolutely recommend it. It Once you get past that hump of being in like the ordinary world, it has a huge payoff. It's super interesting. It's suspenseful. I mean, some things you're like, well, I know that has to happen. And despite the tiny forward where it's like, you never know what's going to happen, it happens. (laughs) But it doesn't make it less satisfying when it does happen. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And yeah, I'm already... Because uh, Cameron's... The next review is going to be Cameron with a guest. I am already like 25% into the second book. (laughs) So... Yes. Okay. So... (laughs) We always do a rating on a one to five. One to five star. <laughs> we always do a rating. We on, give some stars. We give some stars. Who knows what they mean? They're pretty ambiguous. We're pretty uh, <laughs> We're pretty fluid. I'm going to give this one a 4.25. Can you really give a quarter star? Oh, I can. I'm going to take away for that first 25% or 23% because I'm pretty sure it was, I think things change at 23%. Yeah, that's what um, I... Yeah. So, as I've said, um, 150 pages out of 3,000 or so, but I haven't got to those other 3,000. I mean... I assure you the beginning of the next one is good. Okay. So, <laughs> this is going to be the one where if I ever have time to get through all three slash four books, the whole trilogy might be a five. Yeah, you know, but we're we're just rating one book right now, so. So your four point two five reminds me of when you're like playing Zelda and you're collecting your heart pieces and you have like point two five <laughs> of a heart piece and you you're like looking for the other ones. Okay. Like, how is this book gonna get those other point two five stars? Yes. But <laughs> anyway, I give it a four. The first twenty three percent, I would give a two or three. Like, it's not terrible. And the rest, definitely a five-star. However, because the iffy parts in the beginning, there, in certain circumstances, I might not have continued. Mm-hmm. So that's a big deal to me that it goes on that long. Yeah. So, I mean, from what I've read of the second one, the second one's probably going to be a five-star for me. Mm-hmm. But this one, I'll go for a four. Yeah. On to the, the thing that we always do, both as... We do all these things always do. Yeah, we always... <laughs> but um, this is our... I think we took the, the who should and shouldn't read it part of this, like just thinking as parents that, I mean, I know we only have a two-year-old, but just that's something that we're you know going to eventually have to start considering. So your illiterate child probably shouldn't read this. No. He probably would struggle to understand the even basic or concepts. Or she. Illiterate women... <laughs> can also struggle with concepts yeah. okay well in our case we have a boy so <laughs> our illiterate child would probably struggle with uh well anything he would find one word that he likes and repeat it over and over again you know i don't think it talks about pants or ears <laughs> or hats getting back into our review this is an audience of anyone who loves you know the fantasy genre 
there is, I mean, there obviously there's lots of murders and foul deeds, but it's going back to the, the old style. We're not talking Martin here. Um, so, I mean, you're dealing with your standard, like, battle wounds, you know, that kind of thing. Like, someone gets shot with an arrow. It's not like it describes in gory detail what happens to him when they're shot by an arrow. As we said, like, there's nothing that you wouldn't see in Tolkien and Lord of the Rings or with Robert Jordan, which are ones that, you know, I, I would consider PG-13. My, my childhood-level PG-13. <laughs> Today's PG-13 gets a little graphic. So, uh, in our, like, our closing thoughts, uh, I definitely look forward to, if I ever find time, reading the other books in the series. We have a three-week vacation with five plane rides. That's true. You'll find time. I'll find time. <laughs> <laughs> so the next book is going to be with Cam and a guest. Barry. Our first guest, Barry. Yeah. He is coming back. He, he just is. can't get enough. No. Barry chose the book I Balefire, Innocence Lost by Jade Jesser. I did not read the book. There are a few reasons that I did not read the book. I mean, one is that I am a little bit slower Another is that I really wanted to read the second book in the series while I could. And the third is that I started the book. And about 10 pages in, I just said, hard no. Do not finish. DNF. Not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. So. I don't know anybody who's told me that they've bought a book ahead of time to read along with us. I do know of at least three people who have bought the books after listening to our review. Mm -hmm. But... Or your mom who borrows them. Yes, my mom did borrow one of them. Which, by the way, first fantasy novels that my mom's ever written or read. And she, and loved them. she yeah, she read um, The Name of the Wind. And she's like, do you have the other one in paperback? Because most of our books are in Kindle, but that's one of the few ones we had a novel of. <laughs> yes. So, um, but I'm just going to tell you right now, I would wait to buy this book until after you've listened to the review. Yeah, and Barry has met the author. Yeah, correct? the author is actually um, local. Local. He's from Idaho, and um, he self-published this book. So um, that's the reason that we that we found out about the book in the first place, um, and the reason that Barry chose the book. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Please email us if you have any questions. If you want to tell us that we got something completely wrong, if you just disagree with us, if you want us to read something. Any reason at all? Yes. Literally, any reason at all. <laughs> <laughs> that is nerdbookreview at gmail.com. Nerdbookreview at gmail.com. Email us anything. Literally. I mean, we don't want to know about the latest male enhancement drugs or anything like that. Email us anything else. Yeah. Anything that's not spam. <laughs> yeah. And once again, we would absolutely appreciate it if you would rate and leave a review on whatever platform that you happen to listen to us on. And also, once again, you know, we do prefer five-star reviews. <laughs> but as we're reviewing things, we understand that not everything gets five stars. Reviews are still important. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, uh, next book, Balefire by Jed Jess Jade. I Balefire. Oh, sorry. I Balefire. I, I hope that's right. Because that's what it says on the thing. <laughs> oh, okay. I Balefire. I Balefire. Uh, Innocence Lost by Jay Jesser. We do have a website, which is nerdbookreview.com. And that, you know, has links to stuff and, like, pictures. <laughs> There's not a lot on there right now. But if you want to see what we look like in funny costumes or get a link to our Goodreads reviews, that has those. Yes. All right. 
we can probably end this travesty of a podcast now. Oh, yeah. I mean, we should probably go ahead and do that so I can go uh, put together a TV stand. Oh, man. Alrighty. Thank you. <laughs> Have a good day. <laughs> Have a good week.